1: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
0: Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries. And we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject Romans for or against Torah. This is part 10 of the series. So we see that the house of Jacob, the nation of Israel, is unfaithful in their marriage vows unto the lawgiver, who is also the bridegroom. So Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. He's also the bridegroom. The name of his covenant family, the name of his bride at Mount Sinai, is the house of Jacob. So in the new covenant, what's the name of Yeshua's bride? We see the name of his bride. The name. With his covenant family in Luke chapter 1 and verses 31 through 33 and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you will call his name in Hebrew Yeshua which means salvation he will be great he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end so Yeshua the lawgiver and the bridegroom entered in a marriage relationship with his bride, which is the house of Jacob. They were unfaithful in their marriage vows. They didn't follow the Torah. They broke the covenant. They went after other gods. And so ultimately, how the bridegroom is going to respond to his bride's marital unfaithfulness is there's going to be a separation. So he exiled them into the nations of the world. And his love for his bride is so great that rather than say it's it, it's over, it's done, he is going to show the highest form of Torah love for her. He's going to lay down his life and offer restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness under her if she will acknowledge her guilt, if she will repent of her sins. And so in order to do this, Yeshua had to die on the tree. And once he died, this is what paul was explaining in romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 that his death severed the consequences of the original marriage wherein his wife was unfaithful and it severed the consequences of her guilt wherein she would die for her sins if she would repent of her sins but in repenting of her sins that is crucifying the flesh that's dying to self that's dying to pride that's dying to your own ways so in her repentance she then has to experience a death a death of her will of her desires and then through repenting and being forgiven of her sins she is now going to marry a resurrected man and the only way that you can Married this resurrected man, the resurrected Yeshua, is through his shed blood, and you got to repent of your sins to have access to his shed blood and to enter into that marriage relationship with him. So ultimately, the new covenant marriage is between a resurrected bride, one who has repented of her sins and died to her flesh, died to self, died to pride, and a resurrected bridegroom, and that is Yeshua. So then we see, given there was a marriage at Mount Sinai, that it says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 38, that in the nation of Israel's marital unfaithfulness, it says, I'm going to judge you as a woman that breaks wedlock. And so then in looking at what are the consequences in the marriage agreement for the bride of Yeshua who was unfaithful, to him, went after other gods in Numbers chapter 5, verse 12. That if he suspects her of being unfaithful, then she has to go through a test to see whether she's innocent or whether she's guilty. And so that process is outlined and it's given to us in Numbers chapter 5, verse 12, wherein it is written Speak unto the children of Israel and say to them, If a man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, in our example, The application is that the nation of Israel, they went after other gods and were unfaithful to the lawgiver and the bridegroom, Yeshua, the Messiah. And it gives detailed information in Numbers chapter 5, but it ultimately goes on to say in Numbers chapter 5 and verse 24, and he shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causes the curse. And the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. And so a wife who is unfaithful according to the Torah, she is going to drink bitter water. That means things are going to happen in her life that's very unpleasant. Then it says in Numbers chapter 5, verse 23: And the priest shall write these curses in a book. Her curses are are going to be written in a book. And then it says about the curses that are written in the book, he will blot them out with the bitter water. And so that is a preview of the consequences that is given to us in the Hebrew scriptures regarding one who is unfaithful in a marriage relationship. If we would go through details and looking at these things, we would see that the following is said regarding what would be the curses Of an adulterous woman. Number one, that she would drink bitter water or she would be given a bitter cup. Number two, she would be slain with the sword. Number three, her curses are to be written in a book and blotted out. Number four, she is to be forsaken by her husband. Number five, her husband is going to hide his face from her. Number six, she is slain with thirst. Number seven, she is stripped naked. Number eight, she is laughed to scorn. Number nine, she is mocked for her whoredom and number 10 her enemies cast lots for her these are all the things that came upon the house of jacob or the nation of israel as a consequence of her being an unfaithful bride to her bridegroom that is the lawgiver who is yeshua the messiah furthermore yeshua when he died on the tree he had to experience all of these sufferings that also was experienced Thank you. the cat Historically, by the nation of Israel when they were unfaithful. So, now this is a background to help us understand what Paul is also saying in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, which says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so, a casual Bible student often and in traditional Christianity takes this verse out of context and tries to use this verse to make the claim that when Yeshua died on the tree that he nailed the Torah to the cross so that we would no more follow the Torah. What was nailed to the cross was the penalty for our sins. The curse for being unfaithful. Yeshua took upon himself the curse for the consequence of being unfaithful. And so then in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 verse 21 it says, for he has made him to be sin for us. So Yeshua was made sin for us, even though he did not sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so there's a reference to blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that in the Torah, in Numbers chapter 5 verse 12 to the end of that chapter, that if a woman was suspected of being unfaithful to her husband, she would have to go through a process where it would be revealed whether she was faithful or unfaithful and as a part of the requirements of that process that her curses would be written in a book and blotted out. So this book that we call the Bible, it contains the history of the nation of Israel and it documents how the nation of Israel served other gods and it documents what happened as a result of going after other gods that the Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom into captivity, and the Babylonians came and took the southern kingdom into captivity, that the curses that was outlined in the marriage that took place at Mount Sinai is a part of the marriage vows that are outlined in Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning in verse 15 through the end of that chapter, verse 67. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, it will come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all these commandments and the statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And a part of the curses would be that you would be scattered into the nations of the world. And so when Yeshua died on the tree through the shedding of his blood, by repenting of our sins and accepting Yeshua's shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that the penalty of sin, the curses that were written in a book, are then able to be blotted out by the the blood of Yeshua. And so it was not the Torah that was nailed to the cross, but it was the penalty for violating the Torah that Yeshua took upon himself. He was made to be sin for us. So why did Yeshua need to die on the tree to redeem his adulterous wife? Let's look a little bit more closely at Torah marriage laws. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, and we're gonna look verses 1 through 4 it is written in verse 1 when a man has taken a wife and married her and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her that is primarily that she's unfaithful to him that then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So what's the house of the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai His house is the land of Israel, specifically Jerusalem. And so, when his wife, the house of Jacob, the nation of Israel, was unfaithful to him, he sent her out of his house. She was exiled in the nations of the world. Now, Deuteronomy chapter twenty-four, verse two. And when she's depart out of his house, when she's exiled in the nations of the world, she may go and be another man's wife. So did the house of Jacob, did the nation of Israel, when they got exiled exiled into the nations of the world, did they go after other gods and the gods of the lands where they went? Historically, the answer is yes. And so, initially, it was the Assyrians who took the northern kingdom into captivity, and it was the Babylonians who took the southern kingdom into captivity. Then it says in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 3, if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorce. So, the situation is, if she's originally married, and then she gets divorced, and And then she marries the second husband. And if that second husband hates her and divorces her, and it says, writes her a bill of divorce and gives it into her hand and sends her out of his house. So the application is, is after the nation of Israel were taken into captivity, if those who took her into captivity dislike her, mistreat her, and then causes her to flee from where she was taken into captivity, which happened. The Northern Kingdom is not primarily in Assyria today in the Southern Kingdom, the House of Judah. the Jewish people are not primarily in the land of Babylon today because they were sent out of those places, they were scattered into other nations throughout the world, or if the latter husband died, okay, do we still have in the Earth that Assyrian Empire that ruled and reigned, that took the Northern kingdom in captivity? do we have that same original? Babylonian empire that ruled and reigned and took the southern kingdom into captivity. Do those empires still exist today as they were when they took the nation of Israel into captivity? No, they've fallen. So now their latter husband dies, which took her to be his wife, and the Torah marriage law says her former husband, that is the original husband, which sent her away, which in our application here is Yeshua at Mount Sinai, and he is the lawgiver and the bridegroom may not take her again to be his wife after she has married or gone after other gods or other husbands for that is an abomination before the Lord and ye shall not cause the land to sin which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance which begs the question if after the original marriage which took place at Mount Sinai between the lawgiver and the bridegroom and we've seen that that's Yeshua the Messiah he's the messenger of the Lord that appeared to Moses at the burning bush and who. Said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If in that original marriage to his bride, that is the house of Jacob or the nation of Israel, if she's unfaithful, which she was, and she sent out of his house, which she was sent out, is taken captive to the other nations, and if she marries another, which she did, she married the other gods of the nations where she went. That if there's a divorce made from the second husband, she cannot go back to her original husband. In this case. this application it would be Yeshua because that would be an abomination so now this begs the question how is Yeshua able to redeem his people if the Torah marriage laws say that she cannot go back to her original husband once she's gone after another husband and gets divorced from the second husband this is the question that is asked in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 1 they say if a man put away his wife and she goes from him and she become another man's which happened to the house of Jacob, the nation of Israel. Shall he return unto her again? What are we told in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1-4? through The answer is no, because that's an abomination. Shall not the land be greatly polluted? The answer is yes, because it says that it will be an abomination. But the verse goes on to say, you've played the harlot with many lovers, you're guilty, yet return unto me, says the Lord. So how is it possible for her to return given that she was unfaithful and went after other gods married other husbands and got divorced from them how is she able to return to him and not violate his own Torah and the answer is that the only way that Yeshua can redeem his adulterous wife who went after other gods and was taken into captivity was exiled in the nations of the world or was separated or divorced and not violate the Torah is to die why because this is what Paul explained in Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 that the death of a spouse severs the marital obligation between them. And if there's a death of a spouse, then the other spouse is able to go marry another. And if there is a death of your spouse, and then you go marry another, you're not an adulteress. And then Paul says, But if you're still married and you go after another person, then you are regarded as being an adulteress. And so then when Yeshua died on the tree, then that severed the original relationship. And then, this is how, when he was resurrected, he was raised as a new man, and through her repentance, then she's able to remarry him and uh, legally do so because she can only remarry him if she repents, and repentance is a death to the flesh. So, why did Yeshua? suffer with his adulterous wife because the pain and affliction and persecutions and sufferings that she had to go through, he went through as well whenever he died on the tree. It's because Yeshua and his wife are one and he identifies with her, her pain, her sufferings, and her afflictions. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19, it is written, My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace." Then in Isaiah chapter 63, verses 8 and 9, it is written, for he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. Who's their savior? It's Yeshua. And then regarding their savior, it says in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And so this is what Paul is referring to, Yeshua's marital relationship with the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai so when Yeshua died and shed his blood he entered into a new covenant or actually in Hebrew it's the renewing of the original covenant and who is he marrying in the new covenant or the renewed covenant what's the name of his bride what's the name of his family it is the house of Jacob and in Acts in chapter 7 and in verse 38 it says this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. And so in traditional Christianity, we regard to what happened in the Hebrew scriptures as happening to the nation of Israel. But then what happens in the New Testament, we refer to the entity that the God of Israel is in covenant relationship with as being the church. And we separate the church from the nation of Israel. And so biblically, Acts chapter seven, verse 38 says that at Mount Sinai was the church in the wilderness. And so how do we see that at Mount Sinai was the church in the wilderness? Well, this word church in Acts chapter 7 in verse 38 is the Strong's number 1577 in the Strong's Greek dictionary. It's the Greek word ecclesia. And the corresponding word in Hebrew is kahal. And so three times in the book of Deuteronomy, the event that happened at Mount Sinai, the people that were there, it's called the Kahal. And we are going to first see this in Deuteronomy in chapter 9 verse 10. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of, and the King James says, assembly. The Hebrew word is Kahal. And the Hebrew word Kahal in Greek is ekklesia See it, and that gets translated by the King James in the New Testament as church. And what does ecclesia mean? It means a called-out assembly and the people at Mount Sinai, they were a called out assembly. They were called out of Egypt. And so we could translate Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10 as the day of the church. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 4, and he wrote on the tables according to the first writing, the 10 commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the kahal. In Greek, the day of the ecclesia. And this could be then translated the day of the church so this is the second reference that what happened at mount sinai was the day of the church the house of jacob at mount sinai is called a kahal, a ecclesia a church and then the next reference of what stephen is making a reference to in acts chapter 7 is from deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 and 16 the lord your god will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you of your brethren like unto me unto him shall you hear according to all that you desire desire of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the kahal, in the day of the ecclesia, or we can translate it the day of the church. And so the church at Mount Sinai was fleshly, and it was carnal, and it was immature, and it had a stony heart. And as a result, because of disobedience, that the generation that came out of Egypt, most of them died in the wilderness. We have Joshua and Caleb and those that was under. 20 that went into the promised land. And so Yeshua is going to die to redeem his unfaithful wife. That is the house of Jacob. That is the nation of Israel. That's the church at Mount Sinai. And then in Acts chapter 2, they're going to be reborn. And the rebirth comes from repenting of your sins and accepting Yeshua, who is the lawgiver, who is the bridegroom, and now is the Redeemer of his bride and the way that he's going to redeem his bride is lay down his life for her and when he resurrects he's going to resurrect as a new man and so the original bride has to die and she dies to her self-will she dies to her own desires her flesh has to die it's the flesh that sins she has to die through repenting Well, that's going to conclude part 10 of the series on the subject, Romans, for or against Torah. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.